a value and don't stand, then it gets it gets lost in the mix. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on at church. Most of us have been at church, involved in church for a good amount of time, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on at church. It takes a lot of energy and effort to gather every Sunday and to do the music and to do the kids and do everything that's involved with it. Um, and sometimes Jesus gets forgotten. And he's sort of the reason that there is a church, like in general. He is the whole reason, like even more than that, that we live. The Bible says that he was the one that we were created for. We were created by Jesus. We were created for Jesus. So at Doxa, we're going to be all about Jesus. He is sort of like everything. And then the second thing we talked about a few weeks ago was what Jesus did. And that is the gospel. That Jesus, we talked about how the gospel contains sort of three key parts. One is that Jesus was God and came as Messiah, or is God, came as Messiah as a servant in the form of a man. Number two, that he died for our sins. And number three, that he rose again and he's coming. So we talk about who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and tonight we're going to talk about well, the emphasis on talk. And you guys just sat in the back row and thought you were going to like get out of this. We're going to do this more in a uh, sort of a discussion uh, format. So I'm going to sit here and kick my feet up. And uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter 6 and Galatians chapter 5. Romans 6, Galatians 5? Yes. And so Jesus is our first value at Doxa. He's sort of the whole, the thing, this whole, or the person, this whole thing is about. And our second value is worship. Which is more than just songs that we sing. It's a life that we live, which we talked about this summer. The third big idea that we're about is uh, community. And that is the concept that there is no idea of Christianity that exists apart from community. There's no... That you can, when you search the New Testament, when you actually search the entire Bible, there's no concept of the community of God or people of God that exists as islands. There's always a sense of community, that we belong to each other as well as to God. And that is a core of Christian, of the Christian life, the ideal of what the church is. It is a community of believers. And then the fourth thing we're about, we're about mission. So let's look about, let's read uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 2 through 6. And then we're going to read Galatians 5, 16 through 24, and read it with this thought in mind, okay? Um, all of us, regardless of whether we're Christians or not, we know that we need to change. Relationships have a way of showing us that. And the closer a relationship is, the more you become aware of your need to change. So, as you become friends with somebody, there's that sort of honeymoon period that you go through where you're like, man, this person is awesome, we click so well, and it's really, really cool, and, and that's like a cool period, and then something just starts to annoy you. 
It could be a really big thing, or it could be something small. Like, it could be that they make a sound when they talk. Uh, there's uh, this, this, uh, this really sweet girl, um, we're not very close with, but she's, she's really sweet, and she's, but she's a, she's a spoon. She, she, she goes, she makes that sound a lot, like, mm, mm, like, in conversation. Like, you say something to her, and she, she goes, mm. And then, like, first you're like, oh, that's nice feedback. And then she keeps doing it through the entire conversation. The parts where you don't expect you to come in, and, like, quiet parts where it doesn't quite fit in. You're like, man, this is really annoying. This little thing starts to annoy you in that second stage of the friendship. And then one of two things happen. One is uh, you decide, all right, you go to like, the Seinfeld routes. I don't know if you guys ever watched Seinfeld, but he was very picky about the girls that he dated. And there always would be one little thing that annoyed him about that girl. It could be like her toes or that she made a sound in conversations or whatever. And, and he would just dump her. She could be perfect except for this, the fact that she had big toes or something. And he would dump her because he couldn't stand that dealing with that imperfection. And so one of the two things happen when you get to that, uncomfortable, that first uncomfortable stage is you either jet and you say, okay, that's, I just don't want to deal with that. Or you start to do even a tougher thing you start to tell each other what is annoying to you about each other. And the relationship that this really happens in is the closest relationship of all, and that's a marriage. If you guys are married, then you know, or you probably have heard stories of um, things that you felt were so charming before. Um, just begin to make your skin crawl. And because marriage is a relationship that um, you are around each other for so often and for so long that you can't pretend anymore. We pretend in every relationship we have, even with your parents. It's not quite the same because you're married so long and you live in such close quarters for so long that you kind of forget each other is there. And the real you starts to come out. And when that real you starts to come out, the other person starts to let you know that is not this is no longer acceptable. Um, that has got to change. And sometimes I say it in a really nice way, and sometimes I say it in a very caustic way, but we've, either way, we become aware in relationships that we need to change. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more you realize how much that can be just like being a non-Christian and first starting to hear about him. You become aware of how different you are than he is. And you become aware of your need to change. That definitely becomes, a, becomes true the more you're a Christian, the longer you're a Christian. The more you know about Jesus and his word, the more you're around mature believers, the more you're going to recognize how much you need to change. But here's the question about how do you do that? Because we have all experienced areas of our life, uh, spiritual or just very practical, that we know we need to change in, and we try to change, and we are either successful for a while, and it falls apart, 
where we never can get successful, or worse yet, and we'll talk about this, um, you are successful at changing, at changing, and it puffs you up because you think you have it all together. So let's look at these two sections of Scripture with a thought in mind, the question in mind, what is this telling us about how Jesus changes me? Romans 6, 2. But we'll start in verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin, to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the of life. For, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. In Galatians 5, 16, very famous passage. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, Sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Alright. What stands out to you guys? Or does anything stand out to you guys in these two sections in regards to how you want to change?
moment they die, they're no longer a slave to anybody. I mean, if, they're, they, if they die in the flesh, they're no longer a slave. They're not going to go into heaven or any time you can be a slave. And I think that it behooves us to realize that that's how well God separates them whenever we take on that new life. But he's the only one that can birth that new life and cause it to come about. Otherwise, we still act like slaves. And we're still trying to escape. We're still trying to fight the slavery and fight the flesh. By doing yourself just like the true slave would.
that's so first of all, that's sort of the bedrock, the foundation of understanding gospel change. And that has happened. You may be living a pretty rotten life, but that, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus today, that has happened and you have to do that. Isn't that the ultimate witness protection question? <laughs> Seriously. You get a new identity. You get a new start. It's new. You guys see anything else in there? How did it change? I like the fact that, that it's opposite what we think or for me. It's opposite what I know I've thought a lot of times in my years. I don't have to fight sin anymore. That battle's been fought. What it says to the feast, it doesn't say to me to fight the sin and to look at it and to deal with it. It's saying to me to walk in the spirit. It means Turn to, for me, turn towards Jesus and follow his footsteps as he walks in me in the spirit. And, and I love that David he even gave us a way to know it. You can look at the fruit of your life a lot of times if you have people around you to help look at your fruit. Even looks at, Am I walking in the flesh or the spirit? What are you taking off my tree? Those are 
those are tools that we use in order to keep civilization like able to live in, right? But otherwise, we would do it would be anarchy. We'd be running around doing whatever we wanted to do. But true and lasting change does not come through fear of pride, because fear of pride does not change your heart. And it's your heart that has to change. Heart. Um, let's say I have a problem with my wife that um, was, I guess, my, she had a problem with me, and that every time we get into a fight, I end up yelling at her and calling her names. Okay? Let's say every time. Like, bad names. Like, it doesn't really even fit the crime, right? It's just like, that's my default. That's what I go to. And I know later on the cooler heads prevailed that I shouldn't do that. So I go to her and I apologize and I tell her what I tell her. I'm sorry I said that. Right? Well, the problem isn't that I said that. The problem is, at that moment, I wanted to say it. And it's a bit... Right. It's not a bad thing that I apologize to her. Um, it's the bad thing is that I wanted to do it at the time. Even if I was had a hot head and I just say, I wasn't thinking clearly, I was just angry. Yeah, but that's she may accept my apology, but over time, what's, what effect is that going to have on her? Because she knows that's in me. It's some part of me I wanted to yell at her, and I wanted to call her those names. I, I associated her with those names I was calling. The problem isn't the action. The problem is So we have to change it at a heart level, not change it at a behavior level. Because how often have you changed a behavior and whenever fear or pride is taken away, you just fall right back to the again, right? I mean, that's Weight Watchers has built a dieting empire off of that idea that you're going to have to come to the Weight Watchers gathering next week and you're going to have to Stand on that scale, and everybody's going to know whether you gained or lost this week. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just, we do that in our Christian lives, and that's, it's good that if I stop yelling at my wife or I stop lying because I'm afraid of the consequences or even out of pride, that cannot be a, a good, lasting solution. It has to be something deeper. There has to be a deeper motivation. No. Do that. Right. You know what I mean? You right. can't change your own heart. You know, it's like a heart surgeon on your own. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. So, what's going on in my heart? Let's say uh, in the lying situation, the situation of my life, what is going on in my heart below the surface that's causing me to do this? Sin. Sin? Absolutely. What? What thinking? What's the motivation? What's how do I get there? Do you guys know what I'm asking? The lying is fear. It's fear. Fear of what? Punishment. Fear of punishment. Or bad consequences. There's something bad happening anyway, but you just think it works. Mm-hmm. Or something coming after you really are. Mm-hmm. Trying to get her to perform the way you want to perform. 
I mean, even if I know it's wrong, something is more important to me than knowing that that's wrong is something that's outweighing that. It's something that has a higher value. Well, See, the, the heart of our sin problem is a worship problem. Because worship has to do with value. We always worship what we value the most. And we worship things to the extent that we value them. So if I value my reputation more than Jesus, then whenever I'm in situations, even if I'm trained, I grew up, I'm not a liar, I'm not going to, you know, I'm a man of integrity, but whenever I get into situations where my reputation is on the line, what am I going to do? I lie. Because that is more important to me at that time. But then again, that's how you have to train yourself, that your identity is not. And what others think of you are identities. But that's the whole old self, new self battle that goes on. I mean, constantly. You're exalting yourself, obviously. There's something, and so what happened, this is how, so this is what we're getting to, the whole change thing. Is whenever I find myself with a problem, a situation, a sin problem, something I need to change, I need to find out what it is that I am valuing more than Jesus? What is it that I am worshiping more than Jesus? Because I'm supposed to find my comfort, my security, my identity in Jesus. But I'm finding it in something else functionally. And that's what's causing me to sin in the areas that I'm sinning. No. So that's so that's uh, so it's our identity. He's given us a new nature. Um, look at Galatians five, and let's look at um, the description that Paul uses when he compares the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Um, I'm going to read that section again, and I want you guys to give me your feedback about the about how they are contrasted. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's such things. There is no law. How, how uh, did anything stand out to you guys about the, the contrast between those two sets that we just read? Yeah, the ones that are the simple nature, mm-hmm. they're all me-focused. And the ones that are all the, the fruit of the spirit, they're all cross-focused. Mm-hmm. Depends on, like, for me, I look at it, and it's something that you know we don't talk about a lot is you know what's in the center. 
Is it Christ or is it myself? What else? Anything else on you guys? If we have the thirst, we love joy and peace. You don't need any of the ones that aren't good. Mm-hmm. If you have love joy and peace, you don't need any of You don't need them for more. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Uh, based on self-controlling drunkenness, uh, I would say that drunkenness means letting ourselves go to the sinful manners of things. Well, self-control, of course. Keep it back. What else? For contrast in lifestyles, it's great that those who live like this, it's our existence, our being. Again, really just a reference that um, it reveals an internal state. Fruit tree is like this, isn't it? Or anything that you grow. 
You plant it. And it grows. But you don't see it growing. And it's not instantaneous. Absolutely it's not. It's frustratingly not instantaneous. I'm a I mean, I can tell he grew since I saw him last. Nope. <laughs> he shot up since I saw him last. But if I was around him every day, I wouldn't see him grow. I can see the effects. I can see that his clothes don't fit anymore and he needs new shoes and, you know, whatever. But I can't, I can't, I don't sit there, I don't watch him actually grow. You plant a seed and it just is there for a long time and then you see it sprout up like one day it's there. That's like the most exciting thing. Like it's there. And then it's days and days and days as it grows and you, you know it's growing because if you compared it to today and last Sunday you can see the difference but moment to moment, day to day, it's difficult to tell. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is organic, it's natural, and that means it's internal. Most of what we're talking about is a change of the heart. But it's also gradual and it's inevitable. If you do not see the fruit of the Spirit occurring in your life, sign that something is really wrong. Because it will be, you will inevitably produce the fruit of the Spirit if you are a believer. But it happens over time. It grows and matures and ripens over time. Perfect segue to the, the last point of this is that the fruit of the Spirit is organic, it's internal, it's inevitable, it's gradual, but the fourth thing is it's symmetrical. The fruit, singular, of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not a checklist that we individually conquer and then we can move on to the next one. The fruit of the Spirit is one cluster of fruit. And it has to grow in our lives symmetrically. So in other words, you don't ever have like love down, but don't have joy. You don't ever have like self-control down, but you don't have peace and goodness. Because they all grow out of the same branch, the same tree. Here's, here's how it is. Some of us are naturally just sweet and simple. Like butter just doesn't melt in your mouth. You're just a nice person. Um, you just kind of naturally put on the hook that way. Um, that's not a fruit of the spirit. That's a personality trait. Some of us are naturally courageous. We're naturally self-controlled. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. That's a personality trait. And whenever your idols are pricked in just the right place, you will let that drop because something else is more important. But the fruit of the Spirit grow together. So um, 
You can't be loving and not be patient. Because if you are a patient person but you're not loving, you're being patient for the wrong reason. But love creates joy, which creates peace, uh, faithfulness. Faithfulness has to do with courage, doing like holding your ground no matter what. But you're not going to, you might be a person that's naturally put on the hook that way, but if you're not joyful, it's your faithfulness really is Because they grow out of the same. Gradual, it's inevitable, and it's symmetrical. That's what drives me crazy. Like people where I work or whatever that are Christians, and sometimes we, me and another lady we talk about people we're concerned about, we're praying about in the school that are Christians, and I asked about this one lady, I'm like, you think she's a Christian? She's like, oh, she's so nice. She's so giving and so selfless. Yeah, I don't want to be thinking. I've never heard her talk about you. I've never ever heard her credit anything in her life the whole time I've worked with her to do this at all. And it just broke my heart because I'm thinking, no, that doesn't just because she is a nice person. You know, and I feel like I feel like she, that person even deceived because she is so nice. And she really is. I mean she's lost so much money in her life. But I've never heard her credit to Jesus. And just it bothers me because I see her in such Of 
What am I putting value and finding my identity in underneath this? And it's that that I have to repent of. That's my job. The same way that we become a believer is the same way we grow as believers. And that's repentance and faith. That's repenting for finding more value and identity in something other than Jesus Christ. And letting my motivation come from that. And putting my faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on my behalf that has given me a new identity, a new value, a new security. And whenever that happens, that opens up the power of the Holy Spirit to enter into my life and to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. Wouldn't that be great? I wish John Weston was white, we could just be perfect. And for the rest of the time, wait, wait. <laughs> just look at once and then go, okay. Magically, you won't have to. You won't do it again. <laughs> just repetitive. Oh, my
but that change doesn't happen by effort and striving. That changes the way that we relate to each other too, doesn't it? Because yeah. if I know that you have issues, I'm not trying to fix you. I'm not trying to make you get fixed. I'm not trying to threaten you with consequences for your actions in order to get you to change. I want to take you back to the gospel. And we together are going to take each other to the gospel. To say, this is who Jesus is. This is what he has done for you. When you see that, you cannot help but to love him and to worship him and to find all value and security and comfort. Your heart goes out to that man, that God man who did that for you. And that makes all the other rubbish that we find our comfort and security and value and identity in, it makes it exactly that. It makes it exactly that rubbish. So that's why we run to value change, but gospel change. Change that's motivated by um, finding myself in the story.